All right, you can take your Bibles so you know we're going to get there and turn to 1 John. My plan is to begin with a long illustration and end with a short message. It all goes together under the category of message, but that's, that's the plan. Just some uh, housekeeping kind of things to deal with. It's been a pleasure every time I've come to be here. It's a great encouragement, and it's been a, a wonderful relationship for me. It's been life-changing, and uh, I've, it hasn't improved my golf game. Uh, but, you know, God can only do so much. <laughs> um, I also wanted to clear the air on something in case, in, case you, in case I lose my train of thought. Because um, just I'm 69. It's like, how'd that happen? And I know for some of you, it's like, oh, he's still a child, but not for most people. I'm not a child anymore. So this past um, winter, came down from upstairs, came down, put the coffee on, had my devotional time, and I had a dizzy spell like I had never had before. So it's like, I describe it like you take a, you take the, the, the lights, that dimmer lights, and go, it's like, okay. So I called a nurse that's in our church up there, and she said, yeah, you should go here. So so the short and, and long of it is they, they, they made a diagnosis that I have atrial, not fibrillation. That's the real one. I have atrial flutter, which I think is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, what do you got? I have flutter. <laughs> so, but apparently they still were insisting on giving me this medicine, which fuzzes me out a bit from time to time. So if I, if I can't find the right word, maybe I, today I did pretty well uh, so far. <laughs> we can play a game. You can, you can guess what I'm trying to do. My wife tries to guess. It's like, no. But that could happen, um, and I could, this is, this is very important, I could start telling you a story a second time, which humiliates my wife. <laughs> so I said, here's what we do. I said, I, I, this was last Sunday, was the raffle dinner, and I said, look, well, we've got to tell them stories, and then I love, you know, and another one, and another one, and I'm having a good time. And, and then she says, I think you told some of them before. To him, to the husband. And it's like, okay, here's the deal. I don't know that. I'm not going to be able to keep a record. So here's what you do. If you think I'm telling the story a second time, just give me the two. <laughs> I'm serious. Because <laughs> you really don't want to do that to somebody. They're being polite, but they're in pain. Because they already know the story. So... Uh, so it's just a little wear and tear, a little age showing, but I'm fine otherwise. And so the medicine makes me a little fuzzy. So I'm doing my own reducing of the, I asked them if they could reduce the amount. They said, no. My wife said, yes. So, <laughs> so I did. I cut all my pills in half. <laughs> they had little ridges in there. Little, they, were, they were made to cut in half. That's what I told the doctor, but she didn't believe me. So anyhow, I'm fine, and um, but there's those little, and could just be age. I don't know what it is, but 
Every now and then I get stuck not being able to grab the next word. And every time I, my, sometimes I'll tell another story this, during the same sermon and, or in the same conversation. And so you can help me with that. This will kind of be a group effort thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. I knew I could count on you guys. <laughs> um, the illustration. When I was here last time, uh, we had just found out that we, we knew our grandson's uh, wife, sweet girl. So Jordan is my oldest, our, our oldest grandchild. And his wife's a sweetheart. Her name's uh, Grace. And this is the first baby, which means it's the first great grandbaby, which is even better than grandbaby, which is even better than baby. <laughs> I'm serious. It's just amazing. So um, we're all excited. We're getting down to, uh, we're about four or five weeks before uh, the baby's coming. So when I just, right around that I was here last time. And I shared this as a prayer request because it turns out that um, they messed up the testing. It got delayed. They redid it. And then right at the 11th hour, they let them know that both of them have this rare genetic defect. And since they both have it, the likelihood of the baby being born uh, with serious issues the likelihood that she would be around for a little while and be gone was real. And so that's a deal. And it's, when you're young, you're told yes, because you don't understand how parents feel about things. But the bottom line is, it's like my, it, it got, it, it, got darker and darker as we got closer and when I went home from being here. And um, it looked, we, we finally get an uh, email from our grandson saying, here's how it is. We talked to the doctors. Um, when the baby's born, we're going to have to immediately take dr- dramatic measures and do a like a uh, bone marrow transplant right away, and and take care, do all these dramatic things, be, because it doesn't look good. And there's so many layers. I mean, I, I wasn't, I never had this happen, you know. So then there's all these layers of feelings because, um, well, that's my grandson. And his wife and their sweet believers and, and godly young people. And, and, they, and they, are so, they were so lit up, you know. And this is, you, you, those of you who aren't, in the, you know, in the te- your teens, okay, you, you know what this is like, the, the, your, your emotional connection to these things. And so this is my grandson, Jordan. And, and then, but then I'm thinking, well, yeah. But then there's Stephanie. This is my this is my oldest daughter. This is her first grandbaby. That's a big deal. So so you have all these emotions invested in. This is my great grandchild that's coming, a little girl, uh, and my wife and I. 
And, and, but it's my daughter's first grandchild, and she's lit up. And, oh, man. And, and I know what it's like to, to become a grandparent for the first time. That's like, that's like the best until it's a great-grandchild, apparently. <laughs> and then it's, so there's so many levels of investment and so many levels of loss. And it, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a deal. And then you, you, so we get that message, email from our grandson. And it's like, oh my goodness. So you pray, you pray like crazy, you pray like crazy. You get to the time. Baby's born on August 12th. Baby's born. And they're supposed to hit the ground running. And so baby comes. Nobody does anything. I am not a patient man. Uh, so it's like, okay, I, I won't call my daughter every day. I, I literally won't call her every day because that would be unkind. So I won't, but every other day it's happening. Okay. And, and just checking, just checking. And, and so, so when the, they told us the test had to happen as soon as that baby came out or it was bad. So how'd the test go? Well, it didn't happen. 10 days, 10 times, nothing happened. And now, now it's, it's really, it's this, this, what, what in the world? Well, everybody's on vacation it, and it's a big fancy John Hopkins. It's a big hospital. It's a famous hospital. So, um, so as the days are ticking on, then we know that, that nothing's, nothing's happening. Baby's born. It's great. When's the test? Not then, not then, not then. It was 10 days. I, and I'm wrestling with this big time. Um, because of all the people that my heart is going out to, including myself, but not myself first. All these people you love deeply. And so, and everybody's praying and nothing's happening. And it's like, we need, we need somebody to step in there for us. We need somebody to step up. Nobody's stepping up. And I'm praying like crazy and I'm telling God, look, I am not above begging. I am begging you. With all my heart, I am begging you for all these people, for, for, for us as grand, great-grandparents and grandparents and my, my daughter and her husband, and they're going to be, and then, and then my grandson and his wife and this little baby girl. She's born. She's supposed to get the test. She's a sweetie. Sheesh. And we go down to see her, and still no help. Finally. And what happens is, and this is, you're, you're begging, and I'm, pray, I'm praying for an advocate. I am praying for somebody. We need somebody to, I can't go down there and kick in the door. My dad would have his in, in his lifetime, but I could not do that. But I can't do that. So we need somebody, and I don't know anybody. We don't know anybody. We don't know how to do this. And so just begging, we begged and begged God for somebody to step up. So after 10 days, when the test should have happened already, um, God had done something that we didn't know had happened, and that is some 
uh, don't mean this with any derogatory innuendo, some middle managers somewhere, some, some nameless workers in the system were observing this, that all the right below the top dog person, they were all just ignoring it completely. And, and, and they're, they're not happy. They don't know what to do. You know, if they knock out their, their boss, the, you know, what happens to them? But finally, and we don't know who. Finally, finally, somebody got a hold of the head of the department who was in New England on vacation, all appropriate, and laid out the case. She was appropriately humiliated and incensed. And so it started to roll. And so she is, she is on it, like white on rice. She is on it. And it's like, so, but, but it's like we lost 10 days that were supposed to be indispensable to the survival of this little girl. So we find that out. We find out. So, so my grandson gets a call from this woman who's the head of the whole deal down at John Hopkins, who's on vacation, saying, I just found out. My best friend is the head of this department at Mayo Clinic. I'm going to send her the stuff tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be immediately mailed out tomorrow on Express, whatever, get it out there fast. And she will do the, the tests and then we'll know what to do. So, so it's like, so this is all of a sudden the heavy hitters are involved and, and things are moving on. And so we're waiting to find out. And eventually, uh, so we're down there uh, to see the baby. Well, see our grandkids too, and her and her daughter. And so, no, but, but see the, see the new one, and she's like amazing. But um, when we got when we went down, everything was fine. The, and so the next day was a Wednesday. So it was that that came at about eleven or twelve days after. It was supposed to be resolved. Um, I get a, another message from Jordan, who's my grandson, and he says, "We got the tests back, and she doesn't have the disease." She, holy moly! <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness! So, enormous impact on my life. But in the middle of this, it didn't escape my notice. Um, um, that God is, is I did, it, it wasn't that I forgot this truth, but God just, again, in a very obviously vivid and, and palpable way, reminded me that we have an advocate. That uh, kind of, you know, outranks everybody. And, and when you, this has happened to you in your life, not this exact story, but, but when you see God, not some crazy thing, raising the hands, going crazy down the aisle. When you see God act unmistakably, act visibly, not like you see him, but you see, it's like the wind. You see the work. You don't see the wind, you see the result, okay? When you see God work, what's, what's better than seeing God work 
on behalf of somebody you love with all your heart. It's like, beat that. Well, maybe two people you love with all your heart, okay, but, but you can't beat that. You can't beat that. It was, and, and so it got me thinking, this is the, the sermon part now, okay. It got me thinking about, because I, I, need an, I need an advocate. I need an advocate. And it's like, well, you got one. Okay, yeah, but, I, but, but there's two applications. I need an advocate. I need God, God. We need you to step in. We can't do this. But we also need people with feet and hands who can do stuff. We need human advocates as well, you know, to, to come in. And, say, and, and he did, and, and it all went wonderfully, and it was amazing, and it still is. And uh, we're thrilled to death, and we're going to see them soon. They're going to come visit us in, in a week or so. But it only happens because we have an advocate. So that's where I want to I want to go to the book of 1 John for a, a bit, kind of in a devotional style time with us here. In 1 John, John writes this at the beginning, 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard and proclaim also to you. So we too uh, may have, so that we, you too might have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father. With us, with and with his son Jesus, and we are writing these things so that your joy might be full. And so he's he is rejoicing in the knowledge and relationship with God Himself that they shared together. So God is good, and God is here, and God wants to do things for us. There's a bunch of so that's in there. He comes, he loves, he, he, there's the incarnation, there's the death, the resurrection, there's the ongoing ministry of the Spirit so that we might have fellowship with the Father. Uh, and then again in, in uh, verse 6, so that our joy might be complete. So there's a bunch of so that's, okay? And, and, and these are great blessings that we are given because of God's kindness to us. There's a hitch, okay? When you get to verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So God is, we're, we're made and saved to walk closely with God, but here's the deal. There's, there's a glitch. The glitch is sin. Sin enters the world and it interferes with our relationships. And so he goes down to say, very familiar verse, which I'm sure I've spoken on here, one of the hundred times that I was here, is 1 John 1, 9. So we have a sin, God wants fellowship with us. He's gracious, kind, and generous, but, but we're, we're sinners. That has to be addressed. So he says, so if we, and, and the time embedded in verse 9 is, so if we keep on confessing our sins, he's faithful and just to keep on forgiving us our sins and to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So he says, like, we can't have fellowship if you're walking in sin. So, so you're going to need to have a life of constant, honest, genuine, from the heart, confess, deal with your sin. Because un, unrepented, unaddressed, unconfessed sin will, will block your relationship with God and others who follow him. So he says, God wants 
God has come in Christ so that we can have fellowship together, but he can't fellowship with sin. So we're going to have to deal with our sin as far as confessing our sins. And the text that I was working towards is chapter two, verses one and two. My little children, I write these things to you. I just wrote you these things, particularly about confessing sin, God's love for us and desiring relationship with us, but he can't tolerate sin. So you're going to have to confess your sin as a life pattern, own it without excuse, ask him for forgiveness, not make a deal. And so he says very clearly, my little children, I wrote these things to you so that you don't sin. So don't, I'm writing this to you so that you don't sin. But when you do, I mean, God kind of knows what we're actually going to do. So it's a, when you do, we have an advocate and it's Jesus Christ, the righteous. And because of that, I can stand with God. I can have renewed fellowship with God. We have an advocate. And that advocate is present and real and powerful and good and kind and personal. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So what this event in in my life and my wife's life and our, our family's life did for me was vividly and powerfully reminded me, as I said just a little bit ago, that in fact, we need an advocate. And we have one. And it's Christ. And our sin is an issue, but it doesn't prevent him from being our advocate. He's the one who will call us out on sin, convict us of our sin. He actually judges sin, but he's also the one who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. It doesn't stop him from actively being involved in our life. And, I, and what happened to me personally during this time, thinking through this verse, is it's just lots of um, little explosions in your head of ideas and realizations of how many times and how, how many times we've needed him to step in and resolve and to be an advocate for us. And, and how many times that's happened and, and how powerful that's been in their life. I thought that, that it, it uh, reminded me of that quite a bit. That we have this advocate and it's Christ. And we also need flesh and blood advocates. And so it leads into another application here. Obviously, we have great joy, great confidence that we do. we're not alone. He's got this. Does he ever like let it play out in a way that still scares us to death? What do you think? What's the answer to that question? Yes. <laughs> but he's all, he, we have that advocate. And we didn't have that advocate without being born again. We don't have that advocate without Christ in our life in a real and personal way. But then again, uh, I, I thought about it um, in this relationship. I was sharing it with the pastor. Um, we're up, we live out in the middle of nowhere, which is great. So we're in the country boonies, even for the people who live in the country boonies. They're like, oh, you live over there. Yeah. So? 
Well, apparently it's pretty significant. Um, we do know there's really no good phone service, cell service, nothing. Uh, but, but there's an upside to that. Uh, so it's not convenient, but it is alone. So it's something that uh, we like quite a bit. But um, we need, we're reminded many, many times that you need somebody to step in. So I'm sitting there every morning. I get up, I get my coffee and some, something sweet and not in my coffee, next to my coffee. And um, sit at the kitchen table. The windows are there and I'm looking out. And there's deer and there's bear and there's rabbits everywhere. And, 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 but this summer, uh, at like about uh, 7.30 in the morning, all of a sudden this lady on a bicycle and her son, well, actually the son was on the bicycle and she was walking, comes by and she was visiting for the summer because she was helping out somebody because of illness. So she's way up the road. So it's about three quarters of a mile. And she comes by the house. And I saw so I'm drinking my coffee. And it's like, okay, she goes by. She goes down about 800 yards past our house to the main road. And it became obvious that she was dropping her son off to get picked up for school. Because she was going to be down so long that they enrolled him in school down here. And then later on, she'd come back up riding the bike all the way uphill to the mountain and go, go back to her house. And then there, it would repeat at the end of the school day. And, and this happened every day for about four months. So it's like, okay, um, on, on the heels of all of the just uh, positive explosions of understanding and excitement about Jesus being my advocate in real and tangible ways, Right now in my life, that truth has faces to it. You know, it's not just a, a doctrinal statement on paper. It has faces to it. Um, so, but, but how that would live out on a day-by-day way. All I remember is thinking, you know, that, that woman and that boy needs an advocate. And I was like, okay, so how do I do that? I, 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 so often, back when I was in high school, I was nervous, but I would get the witnessing thing done. You know, I would do that, and I had opportunity to share the gospel quite a bit, and sometimes I choked, and sometimes I didn't, and I stayed after it. Um, but once I became a pastor, that kind of evangelism wasn't easy for me, even like on the airplane, because they, they pretend they're asleep, and they put on their things, you know. Okay, so it's not so easy. And and so I, but put me in a room with at, at a funeral where there's, 200 lost people, tomahawk and slob. Let's, let's do it. You know, there, so I wasn't afraid to share the gospel. But in those day-to-day things, I just was really rusty. So it's like, I don't know. Oh, man. I, number one, I don't want to be inappropriate, you know, like stalker type guy. And, and I, but I do want, so, oh, man, what do I do? And so I prayed a lot about it. And then they go by, pray for them both. And oh, both, uh, they, she has another son that's down at a, University in the middle of Pennsylvania, Kutztown University. So, so I don't, I know, I'm praying. I don't know how to do it because I don't want to walk out and like be the stalker. So, 
But I'm thinking she's lost. It's very clear that she's an unbeliever and she needs an advocate. And I'm the only guy on the street. My wife's there. We're the only people on the street um, for miles. <laughs> so prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Then one day something happened that was not unusual. And that is um, somebody else's mail got put in our mailbox. And the other stuff, it goes the other way sometimes as well. Okay, so it's like, I got to take this mail up to the Durans. They're up there. I got to go up there and then take a ride and take it up the mountain and give them their mail back. Well, when I get up there this, this morning, that woman is on this bicycle sitting there in, in the dirt road. It's like, okay. Now, I, what do I, you know, what, you know they, so I, I, so I pulled up and rolled the window down and I and said, hello. She said, hello. I just said, the only thing I could think of to start the conversation was, would it be all right if I pray for you? Do you have some things I could pray for? Which obviously she wasn't expecting the question. <laughs> but she was like, oh, you're one of them God people. It's like, uh, not really. Yes, sort of. It's like it's too long to explain all that. But it's like, well, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. And she's, and she's backing away. Then all she goes like, you know what? You could pray for my sons. One's at the university and, and one's, and I said, okay, I can do that. And she's fr- from the middle of New York City. And now she's out where there's nothing. But it reminded me. These are, I mean, these are rather on, on, on its face, unremarkable truths. Who doesn't know these things? But the situation, which you were partners in praying for my grandson and his wife and all that, um, going the way it did, it, it, when, I, when I thought about the privilege of coming and preaching here again and then looking at all the different options I could go for what I would normally do, which this is not what I would normally do, um, this kept coming to mind. It's the only thing, it's like, I just got to go with the, the advocate thing. Because it's lighting me up right now. So my my encouragement to you is to think through on a couple of levels. Think through the people who have advocated for you, and thank God for them. And if they're still around, thank them for that. That'd be just a great encouragement, right? Think about people in your life that. You may be the one God has there to, to be the advocate for them. Nobody else was going to witness to this girl, heavily tattooed woman from New York <laughs> who rides a bicycle um, on a dirt road. So it's like, well, I'm there in my truck, you know. We have an advocate. In, in the grand scheme of Jesus Christ coming into this world, being a suitable sacrifice, dying on the cross for us, and rising again from the dead, and living to, to hear and intercede for us, care for us, and forgive our sins. We have an advocate. And everybody around us needs an advocate as well. A couple of verses that came to my mind. 
that I thought I would just uh, share before I close. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says this, Consequently, he is able to save those to the uttermost who draw near to him, through him, to God through him, who draw near to God through him, excuse me, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We have this advocate. Um, Blessed be the God of our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves, and that word comfort is advocate. Comfort, encourage. Um, another spot that it comes up. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ were making an appeal through us. So the, it's not the ambassador's word that is the um, advocate. It's the making an appeal through us. We beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Um, in John 14, 6, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper. Same word, advocate. And, and the context will dictate you know, which word God Inspired to put it in there for the, the color of that word. Um, another passage of scripture that, that came to my mind that doesn't speak directly about the advocate, but, but it describes the process, the work of, of Christ's intervention in our lives. It's a verse that came to my, I, I read it, I read it a lot of times, but one time I read it with one of my dear friends who didn't die that day, but he died at a later time. But he was, I go to the hospital, and he's laying in bed, and he's in agony, and they don't think he's going to make it. And I uh, looked up Deuteronomy uh, 33:26. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help. That's an amazing statement. Who rides through the heavens to your help through the skies in his majesty, the eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. It's a beautiful description of an advocate. It's John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, which the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will uh, cause you to remember everything I said to you. So, it's not a typical message, and sorry if that's a disappointment, but God powerfully ministered that truth to my family, for which I will be eternally grateful. And it's not a new truth. It's not a tricky truth. It's real simple. I need an advocate, and Jesus is my advocate. And other people need Jesus, obviously, as an advocate, but they, they need the human advocates to bring them that gospel, to show them that love, to give them that care, to put hands and feet to what Jesus did. So that's kind of like a feature-length testimony with a little bit of a punchline at the end. And it all, like I had mentioned before I got started this evening, not a traditional message that I would normally do with all those precise parts, but it's something that absolutely, and I'm, and I'm not a, a newbie, <laughs> receiving the, the, 
my earliest memory is asking Jesus to save me. So I've been saved for a long time. Asked him a lot of times, but I think he got me the first time. <laughs> but it really rocked my world. Because I am, I'm, I'm agonizing over this grand, great grandbaby. And it's like, who? And, and it's like, hello, McFly. I'm, you have an advocate. It's Jesus. And he's counting on me being an advocate in the lives of the people to whom he leads me. So just a shared truth. Let's pray together, all right? Father, thank you so much for your kindness. I pray you would take something from the ramblings tonight and use it to encourage. Lord, there are so many times when we need help. We need help for real. And we look around and it's not obvious where we can find it. Sometimes we are pretty sure that who could give us, who could do this for us anyway. And we know you can, and we know you have. And I pray that you would take those two really basic, simple truths that we have an advocate and we have a responsibility to be an advocate. And that would change the way we're living our lives or it would increase it and improve it and, and focus it. Thank you for the advocates, your your son, clearly, but all the human advocates you've brought into our lives at just the right time. Father, we thank you for these things and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.